Okay. A little bit later in the episode, I'm going to tell you more about the hormone fixer because I know you're dying to know. This little bad boy supplement that I created, if I do say so myself, is amazing at so many things, so many benefits. So it raises your natural testosterone, ladies, that GSD hormone. It helps with weight loss. It helps improve insulin sensitivity. It helps with anti-aging. It increases your own growth hormone, the anti-aging hormone that helps with the wrinkles and the stamina, energy, focus, brain. It also helps with your mood and lowers your response to stress. So you're just going to have to wait a little bit more and we'll tell you more about it. The Hormone Fixer. I made Hormone Fixer for you to get more of that GSD hormone. You want adequate levels of testosterone in order to have motivation, in order to burn fat, in order to build sexy lean muscle that is not only going to make you better at burning fat every single day, It's also going to protect you. It's going to protect you as you age. It's going to protect your bones. You want sexy, lean muscle in order to have a metabolism. So get some hormone fixer, start taking it and just enjoy the benefits. What we have been hearing from the community of people taking it, improved energy, improved strength. They're seeing their muscles pop out and look amazing when they're working out. They're getting that pump. They're having a libido. They actually want to have sex again. You cannot go wrong with Hormone Fixer. It increases your growth hormone. It increases your testosterone. The cyst is quadrangulus, and it helps your bones. The Tonkatali helps keep your sex hormone binding globulin low, which we want that as well. So it's not bound up to our thyroid hormones and testosterone. Try the Hormone Fixer. Trust me, it's going to change your world. Hey, everyone. As always, I love bringing you guys amazing guests that can speak on things that I am not an expert in whatsoever, but that absolutely tie into your overall health. And I know you ladies out there, I've heard you. I've heard you ask these questions. What about bone? What about when I age? How do I protect my bone? So I have brought to you as my gift to you, Kevin Ellis. Kevin Ellis, he's better known as the Bone Coach, and he is a certified integrative nutrition health coach, podcaster, YouTuber, bone health advocate, and is the founder of bonecoach.com. After an osteoporosis diagnosis in his early 30s, and I've talked to him about this crazy story, he realized just how challenging it can be for the average person to make sense of what needs to be done to improve, and how to move forward confidently with a stronger bones plan. Today, not only has he transformed his own health and he made continued progress on his own journey, he's now dedicated his life to helping women with osteopenia and osteoporosis gain clarity and confidence that improving is possible, giving you hope that improving is possible. Through a unique three-step process and world-class coaching programs, Kevin and his team of credentialed experts have helped people in over 1,500-plus cities around the world get confident in their Stronger Bones plan. His mission is to not just help over one-plus million people around the globe build Stronger Bones, it's to help our children and grandchildren have the education, resources, and nourishment needed to prevent osteoporosis and other diseases in the future so they can lead a long, active life. 
Kevin, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it so much for coming on and just sharing your knowledge about all this. Amy, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So you have to start with your story because being 30 years old and getting that diagnosis, uh, I didn't even think that was possible. So can you start there? Yeah, right. Because it's not it's not typically the 30-year-old male that's getting a diagnosis of osteoporosis. Right. Um, and, and for me, I mean, my health journey really started at a much younger age. When my when my mother was five months pregnant with me, my father was told he had cancer. And two months after I was born, he passed away. And he was 35 years old at that time. And my entire life, I had this fear that I was going to follow down that same path to an early grave and not have the opportunity to be there for my kids and experience the joys of being a father. And when I was told I had osteoporosis in my early thirties, and I still had all these other health issues taking place, autoimmune disease, uh, you know, gut health issues, high stress, poor sleep, all this other stuff. Really, I thought my fate was going to be the same as my father. And I realized I had to do something, right? I had young kids. I knew I was going to start making a plan. And, and I started consulting with people and doing the research and putting together a plan that actually started to make improvements in my health and in my bones. And I realized along the way, it's usually not the average 30-year-old male that has a problem trying to figure out what's going on. It's usually the average 50 to 65 plus year old woman that gets this diagnosis and is provided a recommendation of calcium, vitamin D, walking and a bone drug. And that is woefully inadequate. I know you've heard that like so many times. And for me, that is the reason why I started Bone Coach and BoneCoach.com and even headed down this path in the first place. So, wow, that's powerful. I mean, that that really is one of those blessings given to you so that you could now bless others with your knowledge and your experience. So, and it's funny that you say the bone drug thing, because I always say to women, even though I am by no means an expert in this area, I go, don't take the Sally Field bone drug. Just don't do that. That's too many side effects. So yes. Yeah. And, yeah, and like, there's so much more that can be done before somebody even considers that as an option. Because usually what happens is at that point of diagnosis, it's, I hear this a lot is you must go on this drug right now, or, you know, you're going to have a hip fracture and be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. And it's not going to be the, the picture that's painted is not good. And I had a similar situation happen with me with a proposition of bone drugs and fracture being my future. So I, I'm intimately familiar mm-hmm. with the, what that feels like. And it's not good, obviously, but um, there are a lot of other things that can be done before somebody even gets to the point of, of going that route. We can talk about the different medications that are out there, the side effects, the implications, the use of those things. And we can talk about the different things that can be done before you would even try to go that route. Yeah, definitely. I want to start with you actually explaining, because I don't know the difference between osteopenia and osteoporosis. And then how do people know if they have it? Because honestly, like, listen, I'm in my forties. I feel like that's not going to get me. I'm not ever going to have osteoporosis. So maybe I, maybe I will, but I can also do the things that we're going to talk about today. Can you tell the difference between those two? Yeah, of course. So osteoporosis, it literally means porous bone. And it's a condition that's characterized by either not enough bone formation, excessive bone loss, or it's a combination of the two. And in osteoporosis, what happens is you have a reduction in your bone density and your bone quality. 
So the way you even find out you have osteoporosis or osteopenia in the first place is you go get something called a bone density scan or a DEXA scan. And that's dual energy x-ray absorptiometry. It's a painless test, kind of like an x-ray, very low levels of radiation. You go lay down, they do the scan and the results come back and it tells you your bone mineral density, the actual mineral content of your bone. And then it generates a score. And that score is called a T-score. And the T-score is telling you how much your bone mass differs from that of a healthy 30-year-old, approximately uh, adult. And then what it does, so if you have a score of like plus one or minus one or somewhere in that range, that's considered normal and healthy. If you have a negative one to a negative 2.5, that's considered osteopenia, which is also low bone mass, considered a precursor to osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is negative 2.5 or lower. So negative 2.6, negative 2.7, so on and so forth. The more, the lower that number gets, the more severe the osteoporosis becomes. Most women are going to get these scans done by the time they're in their 50s and 60s. But in my opinion, that's too late, right? We want to get objective information first early on so you can see where your bones are. And that way, when you know you hit menopause or you're at that point in your life where you're going to have the reduction in estrogen that can lead to, in some cases, up to a 20% loss of bone mass in a five-year period, you've already got some objective data to know where you were beforehand. So it's not a big surprise, right? And I, I would just encourage people, don't avoid doing something just because you don't want to know the answer or, you know, like I, I've heard that quite a bit. That's true. I know I can see that. Yeah. I don't want to get, I don't want to get a scan. I don't want to know, uh, or I'm too young. Just like I'm thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm still in my forties. I got time, but you're saying get it done now. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's a lot easier to slow and stop and prevent more bone loss than to build bone once you lose it. Both are possible, right? You can build bone strength at any age. It just becomes more challenging the older you get and the more bone you lose. There are fewer cells involved in the process. The osteocytes are fewer cells there. Uh, and, and the process just becomes less efficient, right? So we want to be on the side of prevention, not reaction. And uh, that's that's really a good way to approach a lot of things. Okay. So we're going to hold the, the, what can they do as a little nugget carrot? So they keep listening because there's so much more you have to learn before you just start throwing different things at your bones and, and hoping it works. What does cause osteoporosis and osteopenia? Because I know a lot of, a lot of women in my audience listening now, they have not taken care of their bones. They haven't had the information that you're going to give us today. So what really, what is the cause? Do we know? Yeah, so there are multiple things that can contribute to bone loss and osteoporosis. And I want to start with uh, like the metaphor of using a bucket. I like to use the metaphor of a bucket. So imagine you have a bucket. The water within the bucket represents your bone mineral density, right? The measure of how much bone you have. And over time, over years and years, that water level gets lower and lower and lower until one day you go get that bone density scan and you realize your water's low. You have osteopenia or osteoporosis and you're shocked because usually you're either doing everything right, I'm eating healthy, I'm working out, or you've got a bunch of other health issues and that's what led you to go get the DEXA scan. But in either of those two scenarios, usually the reaction is still the same. How do I fix this right now? 
And before you take action and jump into that, you have to first understand, is there a hole in your bucket? Are you so are you still actively losing bone? What caused it? So what are those causes and contributors to bone loss? Or did you just not have a full bucket to begin with? So did you just not reach peak bone mass in your younger years? And a lot of times it's a combination of of the three of those things. So let's even just start with the first one. Are you still actively losing bone? So a single bone density scan does not tell you that. It just tells you what your bone density is today. But we have bone turnover markers. And these are markers that look at the activity level of cells that are building up and breaking down bone. And you can get these done for blood tests and urine tests. But the test that I'll just talk about now is called the serum CTX test. It's a CT low peptide. And what this test looks at is the activity level of cells that are breaking down bone. And if that activity level is elevated, that can be an indicator of active bone loss, right? So that's, that's one of the first things that we can look at because your bones are made up of collagen bone protein. Mm -hmm. And when these osteoclasts, these bone, these cells that are breaking down bone, when they come in and tear that bone down, they're not just selectively picking out calcium. It's got to tear down that whole collagen protein structure. And that's, you get fragments of that inside your blood and that's, what's going to get picked up there. So that's kind of the first part of it. Okay. Um, the next part of it is what is causing that bone loss, right? Most people don't know this, but there are multiple types of osteoporosis. There's primary osteoporosis, and that's related to the decrease in estrogen in postmenopausal women. Estrogen has that protective effect on bone. Yep. As estrogen levels decrease, as they do during menopause, it's going to cause an increase in the activity level of cells that break down bone. But then there's a whole nother cause of osteoporosis, and that's secondary osteoporosis. And that's where it occurs from the result of disorders, diseases, behaviors, medications, and other lifestyle factors. That's, uh, that's secondary osteoporosis. That's the category I fell into with, with celiac disease being a primary contributor to bone loss for me, malabsorption okay. of nutrients for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And what's just, what's important to understand here is just because, you know, you hit menopause or you have a reduction in hormones or something like that does not mean that is the sole cause of your bone loss. So many times I hear that a, the physician has just said, oh, it's just hormones. Let's do this. And a lot of times there are other issues that can be addressed. So that's the second most important piece. And the third most important piece of, of this is, did you just not build up enough bone in your younger years? Up to 90% of your bone mass uh, is put on by the time you turn 18. And by the time you turn 30, the remaining 10% approximately is filled in. So by the time you're 30, your bucket's about as full as it's going to be. Mm -hmm. so if when you were younger you had poor diet nutrition, low calcium and vitamin D intake, uh, if you smoked or drank excessively, if you led a sedentary lifestyle, or I think, I, I don't know if I said eating disorder also, all of those things could have contributed to you not achieving peak bone mass and starting with a full bucket. So when we're looking at, you know, the point of decision, when a doctor says, hey, calcium, vitamin D, walking bone drug, before you act, you need to understand that full picture that I just walked through there. So which one is the most common? I mean, if I had to guess, I would say number two, but what's the most common? 
in terms of uh, the contributors. Uh, yeah, to those three that you just you just said. I, it's usually a combination of of the three of those things. Okay. Uh, but I would say number two, the the loss of hormones can have a pretty significant impact, right? So that yep, yep. that's going to be a pretty big pretty big impact too. And that's usually when women find out too. Like you said, no one's getting tested until they're older. And then they are in menopause and they go, oh, yeah, I got to go get that DEXA scan. So that's usually when they're finding out is after they've lost the estrogen and maybe they haven't replaced it. And then add on top of that, the lifestyle factors. So you mentioned celiac, which I find fascinating because I work with a lot of autoimmune. So I always say autoimmune begets autoimmune. Where we see one, we see more than one. So my Hashimoto patients, we always talk about celiac disease because that can be a secondary autoimmune, or it could have been the first one, and then you just weren't diagnosed, and then it turned into Hashimoto. So for you, having celiac, having that reduction of nutrient and mineral absorption because of the celiac, and then who knows how long you had it without knowing it, there's definitely a gut connection here with bone. And we talk about the gut on, on this podcast a ton, but can you now tie in the, the gut and bone health connection? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I just talked about a, a bucket, but let's, let's imagine our body and our bones as being like plants, right? In order to grow, they need nutrients in the right conditions, right? Most people focus so much on the nutrients, which are like the salads, the smoothies, the supplements, all that stuff that they fail to consider the soil. And the soil is like our gut, right? We absorb almost everything here. So when you take in food or supplements, you start to break them down in your mouth where, uh, and then, then it goes to your stomach. It's churned in that acidic mix to break it down even further. And then it makes its way to the small intestine where nutrients are broken down to their smallest form to be absorbed by us, the plants, right? But in order to absorb anything, we need roots in our soil and our roots are called villi. And there are these tiny little hair-like projections that cover our small intestine, and they're responsible for absorbing nutrients. So they absorb the nutrients from the food you eat, and then they shuttle those nutrients you know, to where they're needed in the body, whether that's healing a cut on your hand or growing your hair and fingernails, or in this case, rebuilding stronger bones. And the job of these roots is so important, these villi is so important, that the total surface area they use to absorb nutrients is the size of a football field right? That's amazing. But when you have poor digestion and you're not properly breaking down your food, you're not going to have those nutrients available and the villi can't absorb them, right? Mm -hmm. So then you're not going to have the raw materials and resources you need for, for anything, stronger, healthier body or bones. So you have to start with, you know, our nutrients, even making it to your soil. If you have bloating, belching, burping, gas, diarrhea after meals, or food just sits in your stomach and stagnates for a long time, there's a good chance you have low stomach acid, yeah. right? Age, stress, nutrient deficiencies, gut infections, those can all be contributors. But a lot of people don't realize that one of the greatest indicators of that is maybe reflux. Mm -hmm. And when they have it, what do they take for it? I took these for a number of years. Tums. Yeah, PPIs, yeah. Tums right? So Prilosec, Prevacid, Nexium, Omeprazole. Yep. And the reason that's a problem is that's going to suppress what little stomach acid you have, but you need stomach acid to properly break down and extract nutrients from your food, like amino acids, 
That's the building blocks of protein. Your bones are 50% protein by volume. Calcium is the primary mineral constituent of your bones, right? Mm -hmm. You need calcium, magnesium, iron B12. Those are other ones that are going to be affected if you've got low stomach acid. And then if you've got gut infections or you've got dysbiosis or, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or something like that, that can also be something that prevents you from absorbing nutrients and, and can even lead to uh, damage of the villi. And then those other conditions that we were just talking about, you mentioned celiac disease specifically, uh, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. Those are some other ones yep. that can actually prevent you from absorbing nutrients. And for celiac disease specifically, since you mentioned that, you know, for me, that malabsorption of nutrients over many, many years was just your body still needs those nutrients and those minerals to execute its daily functions, nerve impulses, mm -hmm. uh, you know, muscle contractions, all those things. And if you are not taking those in and you can't absorb them, then what's going to happen? Your body's going to go to its greatest source of mineral reserves, which are your bones. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened with me. It was, it was raking minerals and nutrients from my bones for many, many years. And that can happen. Right. And yeah, the, yeah. the thing with celiac disease is you may not have the classic symptoms. You may not have the, the gas and, or the diarrhea or any of that stuff. You may, you may actually not have any of those symptoms and could still have the damage to the yep. villi. Absolutely. So super important yeah. to rule that out. Okay. I am hearing you. I am hearing your frustration and I was in your shoes. So I totally get it. You are tired of the doctor jumping. You are tired of being medically gaslit. You are sick of being told that you're normal when you know that your body is rebelling against you. You know that the weight gain and the fatigue and the hair loss and the low libido and the dry skin is not you. That's not how you were years ago. That's not how your body was meant to be. And that's not how you want to live the rest of your life. So I'm going to invite you to work with me and my team. We can prescribe in all 50 states, including many provinces in Canada. So we got you covered there in the thyroid and the hormone department. We have you covered. Yes, we use bioidentical hormones only, none of that synthetic garbage. And we fix you. We bring you to that optimized state where you can live with me in optimization land, where you have actual energy to get through your day. I swear you're not going to be looking at the couch at 2 p.m. wondering how quick you can take a nap. You will lose weight. You won't gain weight every time you go out to eat or look sideways at a brownie. We will get you to that optimized state. So I'm going to invite you to book an application call. And this is where you are going to go over everything, your health journey and all the different things you've tried and your frustrations. You're going to go over that with my team and we will put you into the program that fits you the best. If you need prescriptions, we have you covered. So go ahead and click the book a call link in the show notes. I promise we will take good care of you. You can stop the doctor jumping once and for all. Stop wasting money on BS programs. Stop buying programs off of Instagram, people. I know you. I see you. <laughs> I know what you're doing. Looking for answers. We can fix you. You're dropping so many bombs. And I, I love it. I, I say this all the time. I love it when a guest comes on 
And you probably have no idea what I always, always say on my podcast, right? We only have so much, so much time in the day to binge people's podcasts. So it's funny when I have a guest on that says something that I've been saying over and over again, like, yes, it's coming from somebody else other than me. This is awesome. Protein, protein. Yes. I always say that your body is going to steal it from your muscles. Yep. If you aren't eating enough protein, totally forgot about the bones, but, but coming back to the importance of protein, love that. Love that you said that. And just the whole, just the whole explanation and picture of the body taking things from the storage places in order to get what it needs because our bodies are so smart. So if yeah. you're not getting the minerals, it's stealing it from your bones. If you're not getting the protein, it's stealing it from your bones and your muscles and your hair. So I love that you said that. Yeah. And proteins make up just so many things in our bodies, right? And, and play such an important role. And you cannot rebuild bone if you don't have, if you're not taking in protein and you're not taking in minerals, you're not going to be able to rebuild bone. So and I'm also happy you said that about celiac. I had a, a patient one time, and this is very much in alignment with what you're talking about, came to me with literally a, a book of testing. He had been to Cleveland Clinic. He had been to specialists all over the place, a book of testing. And he was just literally skin and bones. And he had had multiple fractures. They couldn't figure out why. He had jaw surgery. They couldn't figure out why his bones were all messed up, pain everywhere, all through his body. He had the bone pain as well. And I'm looking through this book of tests and I just see certain amino acids, like you just said, low because somebody had actually test done an amino acid test. Certain amino acids were low. And I'm like, you know, nobody's ever tested you for celiac. Mm. He went, got tested. That was it. Bam. That was the answer. So then you start treating that and you put the minerals back and you get the absorption and, and you start treating the bones and his pain went away. He got off the opioids. So uh, it, it is amazing how long you can go without that diagnosis. I know I'm kind of getting off track a little bit, but yet no, not. it still ties together. So this is so important because if you have celiac disease also, and you're not absorbing those nutrients, there's a good chance you have had bone loss already, or, you know, you're at risk for that. So yeah. let's even just talk about briefly, how do you rule that out or, yeah. or like actually understand that? So if you're consuming gluten and a lot of people, if they're, I would guess if they're following you, that they're, they may be taking steps to move toward more of a, you know, uh, an approach that limits some of the inflammatory foods and things like that. Maybe they're not eating as much gluten. So if you're be. not consuming gluten, <laughs> so if you're not consuming gluten, uh, especially over a 30 day period or so, you may not have enough antibodies built up to be able to pick up that you actually have, uh, you're having a reaction to that. So there's a test called the, the TTG IgA tissue transcontaminase. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the, that's a blood test that you can get. That's going to help you understand if uh, celiac disease should be something you should be concerned about. There's total serum IgA, there's IgG and IgA antibodies. Those are all great tests to look at. You can get those done. You can even ask for a celiac panel from someone and they can run that for you. But if you're not consuming gluten, the test might not be accurate. So you could still have celiac disease but you might not, you might not get the official diagnosis because what happens is if those antibodies are elevated, they then have to go confirm that 
with an upper endoscopy, which is they go and they take a sample, they put you out or put you under, pardon me, and then uh, they take a, a sample of your small intestine to see if those villi, those nutrient absorption centers, if they're blunted. And if you have villus blunting, that's an indicator that uh, th those nutrient absorption centers are being damaged. So, right. Right. No, I'm glad you went through that because yes, people should be eliminating gluten. And I know a lot of people don't understand that you do have to be eating it as well to be tested for it, to be properly tested for it. So speaking of eliminating gluten, when we're talking about bone, mm -hmm. is there a perfect diet? Is there a way, what eating way, nutrition way, I hate saying diet, what way of eating do you prefer? to strengthen bones and to prevent osteoporosis. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me that, right? Like what's the perfect diet for osteoporosis? And right. they hate my response. Absolutely hate it. It's because it differs for everybody, right? We're all biochemically and genetically unique individuals. We're going to respond to different foods, supplements, all those things differently. Uh, so what's most important, and this is about a lot more than just drink a bunch of milk or alkalize your body with green vegetables. There's more to it than, than just stating those things, right? So you have to, um, number one, anti-inflammatory diet, reducing uh, inflammatory seed oils, getting lean proteins, getting healthy fats, you know, incorporating those kinds of things are going to be really, really important. Mm -hmm. But if you have, let's say you have an autoimmune condition or you have maybe digestive issues, candida, SIBO, one of those things, your, your dietary approach may differ from someone who doesn't have that. So the other thing I want to point out when it comes to foods and things like that is a lot of times we hear about superfoods that can benefit, you know, X part of the body or can do this or that. Make note of those things, but realize that if it creates inflammation in your body, that it, it's probably not a health food for you. Okay. So that's, those are two kind of things that I always enter that conversation with. Then if we're talking about anti-inflammatory diet, I don't like saying that there are foods that every single person are, are perfect for every single person, but there are some that I've seen work with most people that do really, really well. So let's talk about fish for just a second and canned fish specifically, if you can get canned fish, like canned salmon, like sockeye salmon, uh, canned sardines, mackerel, the fish with the bones in, and that's really important. They have the bones in, and these are not hard pokey bones that are going to hurt your mouth or your throat when you eat them. Th these kind of bones actually kind of melt in your mouth when, when they're inside these cans. And there are great brands out there that can help you with that. Vital Choice is good, a good one. Uh, but you can uh, when you eat these, uh, you're not only getting a source of protein, which we just talked about is really important. You, when you have the bones in there, you're getting all the minerals and all the nutrients that your bones need to support the development and, and, and building of new, healthy, stronger bone. So you're eating bones. They're going to provide the things you need to support your own bones, which kind of makes sense. Then you get omega-3s in there too, which are the dampeners of inflammation. So that is a fantastic choice all around. So if you can incorporate that, that's a good one to start with. Ah, see, I've always avoided the cans thinking that there's, you know, just a bunch of bad stuff in it, but now you're opening up a whole new world for me because that's going to be a really quick grab and go protein too. So when you're super busy and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to cook a chicken breast or grill some salmon just open up a can. 
Yeah. That's amazing. And, and obviously we want to make sure like no BPA and that kind of stuff, all that stuff too. But some brands out there do a really good job of that. Uh, and, and also in terms of eating and consuming fish, the bones in are great. And then the smaller, the smaller, the fish that you're consuming on that food chain, the, the, the lower, the risk of getting heavy metals and things like that. Right. In those kinds of fish. Uh, another great one to consider incorporating is coconut oil. Okay. Coconut oil is considered one of the healthiest foods on the planet. It's got so many studies showing its benefits. Mm-hmm. Good for way more than just uh, for bone health, heart health, energy, all that stuff. But with bones specifically, their virgin coconut oil has been shown that cannot just be helpful in the protection against bone loss, but also could be helpful in the, uh, the improvement of bone structure. And then we've got MCTs, medium right. chain triglycerides, which are a type of fatty acid that is converted pretty quickly into energy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and can be used as a, as a way for uh, your body to have a clean burning fuel source. And the other part of this is we were talking about gut health and digestive issues. Coconut oil has antimicrobial and antifungal effects. And close to 50% of the fatty acids in coconut oil are lauric acid. Mm-hmm. And when the body digests lauric acid, it forms a substance called monolaurin. And both lauric acid and monolaurin are going to fight bad bugs, pathogens, even the same candida yeast, uh, you know, that causes oral thrush. So that's an awesome, awesome thing to be incorporating if you can. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know if you had a note on coconut oil, but that's, it's one that I really like. Well, I give it to my dog and his teeth seem really strong and clean, even though he's like 12. So yeah. that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then leafy greens. Okay. A lot of times I I don't like to really vilify uh, specific foods that can be health promoting, especially for some people, but leafy greens, a lot of times uh, people eat a lot of spinach. Okay. And it's not spinach is can be a good, a great health food, but that has an asterisk with it. So I always say uh, spinach has uh, what, what are considered oxalates and oxalates are considered an anti-nutrient that can bind up bone healthy minerals like calcium in our intestinal tract and block their absorption. And some people that have digestive issues, kidney stones, arthritis, joint pain, uh, you know, a lot of people with autoimmune conditions have, have issues too, but you may have a hard time breaking down and degrading that oxalate. So what can we swap for spinach? Arugula. Arugula is a great choice. It's in the same, uh, it's a leafy green, same cruciferous family of vegetables as broccoli and kale. Great source of potassium, folate, vitamin K, vitamin C, and bioavailable calcium. So arugula is a great swap because if you look at, if you're at the store and you see a package of spinach and it says it's got really high amounts of calcium, that calcium is not bioavailable. Uh, But arugula has a great source of bioavailable calcium. So I I would say that those are some, some really good starting points. Okay. So what about milk and dairy? What about calcium? Can we break that down? I don't know where you land on that, but let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously calcium or dairy is a, it's a rich source of calcium, right? But that's not going to be the best thing for every single person. And especially if we're talking about autoimmune conditions and things like that, Mm -hmm. 
dairy is probably not going to be playing a big role in your plan. And that's where we have to look at other sources of calcium that can be inside your plan. That's why one of the first things I mentioned in foods that can be good are bone in fish, because you're getting that the fish bone meal, and that's going to be a source of calcium for you. So try to incorporate that if you can. Uh, and you can even do a different rotation of fish, like on, on a daily basis or near daily basis. That would be fantastic. You can still do cruciferous vegetables. Uh, 40 to 60% of the calcium in cruciferous vegetables is absorbed. So great bioavailability there. Uh, in terms of, I just mentioned bones, edible bones, they haven't really been tested in terms of their actual absorbability, but I would say it's probably similar to that of, of dairy. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit less because the, the MCHC calcium or that bone meal calcium may, may be a little bit harder to absorb if you have low stomach acid. So that's going to be something that would be an important consideration. Yeah. So those are some, those are some great initial sources of calcium. If you can tolerate dairy, right? Maybe it's not cow dairy that you're focused on. Maybe it's camel or sheep or goat or something like that may be a better option. Mm -hmm. And you can also do, you know, maybe a whey protein or something like that could be helpful. And if you're consuming any kind of cheese, it would be the lowest kind of cheese, uh, the lowest sugar cheese or lactose containing cheese. So harder aged cheeses would be a better option there. But again, that's only if it makes sense for your dietary approach. So right. that, that's always important to consider. Right. So when we're talking about supplements, well, I'm, I'm tying in the calcium supplement because a lot of women will just pop calcium because their doctor told them, just take calcium for strong bones, just take calcium. So when we're talking about supplements, what is your take on taking calcium? Or is this kind of, am I diving into what people get when they work with you and we don't want to give away the farm here? So, or do you oh, want to no, talk about supplements? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because okay. um, I think this all this all ties in together too, right? So supplementation, ideally first, we're trying to do everything we can to meet our daily totals that we need from food first. That's not always possible, right? And then close the gaps with supplementation next. And, then, and a lot of times that's not going to be possible. Um, but when it comes to calcium supplementation, I would say 500 milligrams a day is, is the max that I, I typically like to see people if they're going to do it. Because when you get above that amount, you're starting to increase the risk of cardiovascular disease, calcification, risk of kidney stones. Yep. And we also have to understand that nutrients don't work alone in isolation. They, they work with other nutrients too. So we need to have vitamin K, vitamin K2, magnesium. All these other nutrients are going to play together to make sure that, you know, you're getting what you need and, and that the nutrients you're taking are going to the intended places. Definitely. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I, I'm not a fan of taking large amounts of calcium. And I think that's a myth that has been generated in society for bones or pounded in women's heads for bones that they have to take all this calcium. And people will actually take Tums to get their calcium. And then that circles that. back to what you were talking about, about the gut. We don't want to do that, right? So, and Tums contain calcium carbonate, which is the more po poorly absorbed form of calcium. So yeah, and there are other nutrients that are at play here too, that we, we need to consider. So yeah, we're talking about calcium, but magnesium is 
a really, really important nutrient and mineral that we need to be getting. It's, it's not just for our bones, but for your overall health. One of the primary functions of magnesium is that we need it to build and make proteins in our body. So when you eat proteins in your diet and we break them down into amino acids, we need to then rebuild those in our bodies into new proteins, but you need magnesium to do that. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, again, you've got to have all these different nutrients and to, to come together and kind of create this awesome picture that it, that's our bodies. Well, and you can see just from talking to you too, everything that is in alignment with stronger bones and bone health is in alignment with the rest of your health. Magnesium is needed for, for my audience, T4 to T3 conversion of the thyroid. And vitamin D is needed for supporting the immune system if you have Hashimoto's or any other kind of autoimmune. So everything you're doing is helping multiple systems. And it, I just, I love how the body is just connected. So, yeah. 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 So and it's different. That. I mean, what we're talking about too is it, it's when you get to the, the, the functional side of medicine also, it's taking into consideration that you've got all these interconnected systems that are communicating with each other and interacting with each other. They're not just these disparate parts that don't interact. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that we see is, you know, you go to an endocrinologist or you go to a gastroenterologist or you go to a cardiologist, you go to these individual specialists that specialize in their specific area, because yes, there is, can be quite a bit of complexity in those areas, mm -hmm. but it's really hard for the average person to piece those things together. If those physicians aren't communicating with each other. And a lot of times they're not going to be communicating in the way that, you know, functional medicine can really get to the root cause of those issues. Right. And they're not going to be going over all of these different factors with you either. So I, when you sit and work with a, a person on their bone health, you're going over everything. And then some you're, you're diving into all of these different topics that we talked about today from diet to supplementation to exercise that we'll talk about next. But I love that you do the whole picture. You're not going to get that in conventional medicine. No, no. Okay. Last topic exercise. So on this podcast, we have a saying it's called LHS. My, uh, my, my executive assistant right hand couldn't do anything without her woman made us hats. So I do have somewhere in my house an LHS hat. It means lift heavy shit because I don't want people to be cardio queens. So I think this is also, I talk about it in terms of losing weight and being strong, keeping testosterone levels up and hormone balance and, and lowering your cortisol because cardio just sucks for your adrenals. But can you tie it into bone health? What do you recommend exercise wise? Yeah, exercise is super important for bone health. And let's talk about, because you started with the cardio piece and a lot of times what we don't want to do, especially, especially for bone health or even just, you know, building muscle strength and things like that is if you're doing marathons and you're running lots and lots every single day, three, five, six, seven miles every single day, or you're doing these long distances over time, you cannot count that as, okay, I exercise for the day and that's it. That's not, that's not going to be the most helpful thing for your bones. Number one, you're not going to have varied impact on your bones. You, in order to have and stimulate that bone growth, you need to have a varied impact. So surprising the bones. And if you're in that same pattern every day, day in and day out, 
doing the same thing, you will not have that varied impact. The other thing is, like you were mentioning, is you have to have some kind of resistance training, right? You have to have muscle pulling on bone, and that's going to be able to give uh, that stimulus that we need to, to not just build muscle, but also to build bone strength. And a lot of times, I kind of started this by saying the recommendation for most doctors is just go do some walking, right? Do some weight-bearing exercise, go do some walking. I will tell you, that's not enough. That's not enough. Um, walking can, it can help you maintain bone density, but it's not going to help you build, especially also if there's an underlying cause that you haven't yet addressed. So there has to be more than that that you're doing. And then the right. studies that do show the greatest impact, we're talking about the five to 10 rep range is where they're at. That, that are the more, the greater the intensity, that's where we're going to have the most, uh, the greatest impact. And I want to preface that by saying, you know, if you have osteopenia or osteoporosis, that does not just mean go watch a deadlift video on YouTube. If you've never done it before, hop in there and start cranking out, you know, eight to 10 reps, probably not going to be the best approach for you. You got to have good body mechanics. You got to make sure you're, you're setting yourself up right. But things like overhead presses, squats, uh, those big major compound movements, mm -hmm. those can be really, really helpful for people. Love it. Love it. And build sexy, lean muscle too. Love so that's that. helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus. So Kevin, you, you gave us so much today. It, basically you laid out what a stronger bones plan looks like, but in working with you, what, what does it look like to work with you? Because I know, I know I have audience members right now listening who have been diagnosed, who maybe are on the Sally field drug and they want to get off of it. So what does looking working with you look like? Yeah, I, I would say most of the people we work with, they're trying to do everything they possibly can naturally first before considering medication as option. I'd say 85%. And usually what we're doing when someone comes in, we have an application process. Uh, I like to work with people that are friendly and coachable. That's really yeah. important for me. But then once we get past that, we are taking people through a three-step process, identifying and addressing the root cause issues of bone loss nourishing the body and absorbing nutrients, diet, digestion, absorption, those things are all super important. And we're doing it, we're making sure you understand how it how it's in the context of your bone health too. And then we're building strength of body, mind and bone in a way that's going to prevent fracture and injury. That's really the high level process that we use. We have some online program that we take people through that gives you some video trainings and some PDFs. But if you want the extra support where you're working with me and my team, that's where we've got an entire team of credentialed experts in different areas that are all speaking to you in relation to your bone health about, you know, you're, you're not like piecing together on your own how X condition relates to your bones. Everything's relevant in there for us. So we have functional medicine practitioners, osteoporosis exercise expert. Uh, Harvard PhD who does stress and sleep, a dietitian who's also a, a chef, and all these people are just working to help you uh, improve yourself and improve your plan. So that's really what that looks like when we're helping people get the right plan in place. You got a full team on board helping people. I love it. Okay. I love it. I love the team approach. So we'll have how everyone, anyone can connect with you. We'll have that in the show notes, of course. Um, what would be the next step? What would be the step where 
people are in the space right now and they might be in the, I really want to prevent mode because maybe mom, grandma mm-hmm. had it, had osteoporosis, osteopenia, or they've already been diagnosed. What would you tell them? Is, is like I said in your bio, there is hope, right? There's absolutely hope. And I hear this all the time, especially from the women that, you know, are 50s, 60s or 70s and they have osteoporosis. I usually hear things where I wish I would have done something 10 years ago or 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Or the other thing that they're thinking about is they're they're always talking about the future. I've got grandkids. I've I've worked so hard. I've got all these bucket list places I want to experience. Yeah. And, you know, they're talking about the future. And then they bring it back to, I've got a daughter, I've got a, a daughter-in-law, you know, I, I want my grandkids to grow up healthy and strong. Mm-hmm. And you can learn these things now, and then even help your younger generations make the improvements that they need to be, or at least get ahead of some of these things so that we can get them to the point where they reach peak bone mass and they have a larger, a larger bank account to work with. So that in their later years, they're set up better for success. So whether you're on the side of prevention or whether you're, you're, you may be in a feeling of reaction right now, the steps are still going to be very, very similar. Um, and what I'll do for your audience is I've got a, I've got a masterclass too. I'll give them free access to it. There's a recipe guide that comes with it. We can, if you want, we can link it in the show notes or something, yep. but uh, I'll just give that access to your audience too. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. What a great gift. Thank you so much. Well, Kevin, if people do want to get in contact with you, can you tell people where to find you? Absolutely. So number one, first and foremost, you can always head over to bonecoach.com and and you can get access to different free resources there. We're on YouTube, we're on Facebook. I've got a bone bone health podcast that Dr. Amy is going to be on here real real soon. And then also um, that strongerbonesmasterclass.com. We'll leave that in the show notes. Uh, and that's a great starting point for any anybody looking to improve their, their health and their bones. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you for your wisdom and your time and your knowledge. I love it. And your gift for everyone. Thanks, Amy. So now that you've heard all about the hormone fixer, I'm going to give you a challenge. If you actually listened to this podcast all the way to the end and you're still listening, you can use the code thyroidfix10, T-H-Y-R-O-I-D-F-I-X-1-0, thyroidfix10 and get 10% off my store. This is only for people that listened all the way to the end. I want to know what you think about my products. Make sure you let me know. Love y'all.